Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Game Over Ottawa. Another depressing loss for the Sens here tonight. Uh, I was hoping that we would do better than last time out against the Jets, but it ended up being the exact same score. Uh, so pretty painful stuff tonight, but uh, hopefully a good episode ahead of us. I have got Jackson from Jets Hub uh, joining me tonight. How are you doing, Jackson? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I'm sure you are probably in pretty good spirits after after the way that game went compared to me. Yeah, no, I'm I'm feeling pretty good considering how the last few have gone for the Jets. So it was a nice bounce back game there. Mm -hmm. All right, so we will get into uh, the analysis of tonight's game just after a word from our sponsor, Sports Interaction. Think you know which way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pre-game, live and play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. <coughs> all right, so... You had mentioned that uh, it was a pretty good bounce back game for the Jets. I That was part of the reason that I had a little bit of optimism going into this game, considering that uh, it was a rough outing uh, for the Jets against the Leafs and against the Habs before that too. Uh, it would have been shocking if the Jets went 0-3 on that stretch through the Eastern Canadian teams though, eh? Yeah, I I don't know. I kind of saw the the Toronto game coming because the Jets just haven't played well against teams in the East, but uh, pretty embarrassing loss to Montreal considering all the injuries they have. And the Senators are a team that always scare me, going back to the North Division, how oh. like gritty that team was and everything with the Jets, and it just seemed like they always kind of struggle with the Senators at times, and even in the first period had a tough time getting going. But uh, I mean, hey, they, they came through, they pulled it off, and they played pretty well tonight. It's uh, it's a bit funny for me to hear someone saying that uh, that the Sens scare them. Uh, not a not a huge issue uh, with the Sens this year for the Jets, but I guess yeah, thinking back to that North Division season, I think it was a it was a bit more of an even season series between the two teams. Uh, the the thing that sticks out in my head was that last game I think it was against the Jets in that season where uh, Timmy Stutzla scored his first hat trick. I, I remember that, and then the rest of it, the rest of that season is kind of a blur. But I guess uh, yeah. The the Jets, I guess, have struggled a little bit with the Sens lately. You think, other than other than this year? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Every time I think about the Senators, I just think of Derek Stepan scoring oh, on God. the Jets, and I, I don't know why. Just it's it's just I don't know embedded in my head. But no, the the Jets. I mean, this year have played much much better against the Senators, and I think that has a lot to do with coaching and not having Paul Maurice behind the bench, and I don't know, just just being a better team, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I oh my God, I've. I sometimes forget that Derek Stepan even played for the Sens, uh, so that that brings back some bad memories right there. That was uh, one of the, the one of the rough things that season was we we gave up a second round pick for that guy. Did you know that we gave up a freaking second round pick for him, and then that was I think he got injured halfway through the season, so like he already wasn't doing very good, and then oh, yeah. we we had like twenty five games out of him, and that was it. So <laughs> oh god, but yeah, you mentioned coaching. Uh, I think that's like going to be one of the major topics that that. Uh, we'll focus on a little bit here tonight because that's that's really the main thing for the Jets that's really surprising this year is I think you can correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think there was too much like expectations going into the season for the Jets like obviously with a new coach uh, you're hoping for some kind of turnaround but I don't think anyone was expecting uh, first in the, the division type thing eh? 
No, uh, honestly, and I, I think I speak for all my, everybody I, you know, make content with anybody that I talk to on Twitter. I think the highest we saw, we projected the Jets being was like second in the central if everything went perfect. Mm -hmm. And now it's like with Rick bonus, the job that he's done here is just totally incredible. Total 180 from what it was last season with uh, the bench the Jets had. And uh, it everything's just gone right. Even through injuries, the Jets have just done a lot this season to get them where they are now that tonight was their 30th win on the season. And I'm, I'm blown away with the team success. I had them missing the playoffs this year. So this is pretty impressive in my opinion. Yeah. It's uh, I have to admit, I am very jealous of how the Jets season is going. Like I definitely wasn't expecting for the Sens to be doing as good as the Jets are currently, but just, uh, just, uh, Oh boy. It's, I feel like, if you removed a few wins from the Jets and added a few to the Sens, I feel like that would be a little bit more in line with what I expect at the beginning of the season uh, for both teams overall. But yeah, like on the topic of coaching, I'm really wondering what has been the biggest change in the in the way that the Jets play uh, this season that has led to success. And like maybe if you can tie it into tonight's game a little bit too, that just just resulted in a lopsided right. score for the Jets as well. I I think the biggest thing. Uh, that's that's really pushed the Jets to success this year is Rick Bonus letting the defense loose a little bit. And like we've seen like what an incredible year Josh Morris he's had. He picked up another assist tonight. But he's just letting them kind of jump into the play with Paul Maurice. That, that that didn't happen. I can't remember how many goals it was, but it was like it was very, very few. It was under 30 throughout the whole season. Oh, wow. And uh, just uh, offensively, the the defense has been night and day and uh Josh Morrissey's done a great job jumping into plays. Neil Pionk offensively is pretty solid as well. Even Dylan DeMello, former senator. Hmm. Um, uh, he's got two goals this year, which is, uh, and he's had three all time with the Jets. So that just shows you the, you know, bonus is letting the D run a little, little bit more uh, offensively. And it's really helped this team uh, be less stale than they were last season. And coming into tonight, you saw, I don't know, Josh Morrissey jumping into plays a little bit more. Neil Pionk doing the same. And uh, I think that had to do a little bit tonight with uh, how well the Jets played. Yeah, I, I think that's another thing that kind of has me jealous of the Jets is how the defensemen have been able to produce because, uh, like, on the Sens, other than Shabbat, who kind of has, like, modest point totals, like, at this point in his career, the way it started, he, how he was putting up a lot of points early on, I think people have expected a little bit more out of him. And with the eight, $8 million contract, like he kind of just routinely puts up about like 40 points ish, which I feel like right. that was, that was kind of in a, a little bit similar to Josh Morrissey before, before he had this huge spike in points this year. But yeah, like other than Shabbat putting up points on the back end, we, we get a little bit from Jake Sanderson and, and everyone loves him, but it's not like uh, we're, relying on him much for points but then it, it just totally dries up in terms of offense from the back end other than those two guys uh so that's i think that's a huge thing for the jets that's i can can i just can i just touch on that really yeah. quick i i think thomas shabbat has is one of the better defensemen in the nhl i really like thomas shabbat but the issue i just find is that they've never really been able to pair a guy with him yep ever really in his career and i feel like if the sens are able to go out and do that may i don't know there's some reports that they wanted to do it at the trade deadline even but uh if they can do that between now and the off season i think that uh that would go a long way to helping uh the team because i really like the senators forward core with uh, i'm a big josh norris and uh, timmy stutzla fan 
And, uh, you know, to bring it there, obviously, too, lots of great players. But I, I think that would go a long way to helping the team if they were able to find a solid guy to play with Shabbat, not even a like breakaway all star, just, just something like like what Dylan DeMello does for Josh Morrissey. Mm-hmm. I think that would help this team a ton. Yeah, the the goal has mostly been to have Zub with Shabbat, but then he's just he's gotten injured yeah. three separate times this year, which is he's out again. Like he came back for a couple games after after breaking his jaw, I believe it was, and he still had the face shield on and stuff, and then he gets a lower body injury. And uh, I think there was a, a tweet saying that he had to get an MRI or something. So it, and he was having trouble walking. So like <laughs> it's not looking good for for that. But even even if we had Shabbat and Zub consistently this year then there's the the second pairing with sanderson who basically just carries around hamannick so it's like regard yeah. regardless of of wherever zub is playing it's like there's a hole in the top four either way but it's i totally agree with you and it's funny how you bring that up because the best partner that thomas shabbat has ever had was dylan Demello. yep yeah and uh i it's so funny if you look back at uh Demello's, like point totals and everything like that. I believe that was the year that he had a career year with uh, being alongside Shabbat for most of the year. Yeah, uh, and, and you're seeing now him partnered with Morrissey for a full season and letting those two guys kind of run free offensively, what that's doing for his point totals and for his play and confidence and everything. And it's just, I don't know. I, I really love Dylan DeMello and uh, I'm happy he's a Jet, but uh, could definitely use a guy like that in Ottawa right now. For sure. It's it's looking to me like that's one of Pierre Dorian's bigger mistakes so far is just moving him on when he was a UFA and there reportedly wasn't really any contract talks at all that took place. He was uh, like he was kind of a what's the term I'm thinking of? He, like he was kind of a diamond in the rough when we got him because he was sort of like the throw in in a Carlson trade, at least in terms of uh, the fan perception. Everyone's just like, who is this guy? He doesn't he didn't appear to have much trade value at the time when he was included in that trade. And it's like just not great asset management to get a guy like that sort of from nothing. And he, you build him up and he's actually performs pretty well as a, a solid top 4D. And then we just move him for a pick without actually like having any upgrades on the way. So yeah, I'm very sad about Dylan DeMello. Yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, at the time UFA, you're probably looking to unload him. Uh, but uh, just, I don't know, it, it worked out for the Jets the way it was with them, with their decor being so depleted before Dylan and Schmidt were any even a thought there. But uh, I, I like how he's calmed down. Uh, uh, Josh Morris, he added some stability there. And even with some of the younger guys at times this year, stepping into a third pairing role, just, just a nice guy to have. But uh, I think if the Sins do plan around this offseason, bring in a couple defensemen, I think that team can look pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Man, you mentioned uh, Nate Schmidt. I kind of forget that he's on the Jets. I feel like when he yeah, me too. When he <laughs> when he came onto the scene with Vegas, like he he was putting up some points there and and being like pretty near the top of the team in ice time. But I feel like I've just uh, I never hear his name anymore ever since he's gone to Winnipeg. Like, what's up with him? Nate Nate Schmidt is the most okay defenseman there is in the in the league. You, you he plays really well one night or. Or he's completely unnoticeable. It's it's totally opposite things. And I guess it's not the worst thing if you're a defenseman and you're, and you're totally unnoticeable. But mm-hmm. uh, this year, I believe, unless he had a point in this game, I don't think he did. But it was uh, four goals, four assists for Nate Schmidt. He's on the second power play unit. He's he's not bringing a ton offensively. But when he's he's very solid 
when he's with the right partner. And I think that that's very important for him. I've really liked him with Brandon Dillon, those two together. I think those two have been fine for the most part together. Not not a groundbreaking pairing or anything like that. But when he's partnered with really anybody else aside from Sandberg, uh, it is just chaos <laughs> uh, for Nate Schmidt. He's just, I don't know, makes, makes a few passes in his own end that you don't really love to see. Uh, but the latter half of the first half of the season, I think he's uh, he's done a lot better and kind of stabled out his game a little bit. He's been a little bit more calm. Is uh, is he still on that six million dollar contract or or five point nine million or whatever it is? Yeah, so he's on a fat contract for the next two seasons, I believe. Oh, after still, this year, oh, I thought. Oh that, yeah, no, I thought no, it was like bad. closer to expiring if it was still going. Oh my god, no, no it's it's bad. So the. I, in retrospect, I would have loved if the Jets didn't make that move, um, just with the impact that he's making versus the cap dollars that with, you know, with how cap strapped every team in the NHL is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is what it is. I don't think he's hurting the team necessarily as much as maybe a couple other guys on the team are. Um, but I think, uh, if, if, if Chevy could go back and reverse that move, I think, I think that might be one he would. Yeah. Makes sense there. And uh, I, I think I want to shift the conversation to offense a little bit more. I did uh, see you tweet out near the beginning of the game. It was, uh, will the Jets ever score a 5-on-5 goal ever again? I thought that was pretty funny because the Sens kind of have the same issue of they never freaking score at 5-on-5 and it's all just the power play carrying them lately. So I found it funny that uh, the Jets who are doing so well kind of have the same issue. Yeah, I mean five on five this year. It's they've they've been fine. Uh, however, you know, you know, there, there's been stretches where the power play struggled. There's been times where the five like five on five play struggled. But uh, recently, for sure, um, before the second goal of the game to make it two to one, I can't remember who scored it. I want to say it was Mark Shifley. You are correct. I could be wrong. Yeah, uh, before that goal, the Jets went ten periods without scoring a five on five goal. Oh wow, which was uh, pretty rough. And then they had you know, one power play goal in each of their last uh, two games, which is nice. But, you know, for a team that's higher up in the Western standings right now, vying for first in the central, you kind of want them to be better five on five, just for confidence wise heading into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it, it's been pretty frustrating the last little while and a little bit throughout the season. I feel like the power play and uh, Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley there on the power play have kind of carried the jets a little bit offensively. Uh, through a little bit of it, but I'd, I'd say they're about middle of the pack there. Uh, but no, that's interesting with Ottawa as well, because I, I thought their power play was pretty solid as, as well, just uh, couldn't beat Hellebuck tonight. Yeah, I, I was surprised to see the Sens are still ranked, uh, I think, fourth it was on the power play heading into this game. Uh, we, we had a power play goal explosion against Pittsburgh two games ago, where it was four power play goals in the one game. But other than that, over the last two weeks, it's been like kind of drying up. So it's kind of funny that you do nothing on the power play for such a long stretch of time, and then you get a crazy game where it just pops off, and then we're 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 still ranked highly in the power play. Like I, I do agree with you that I think our power play was decent tonight, and it just uh, just couldn't get it done. But man, the the Jets power play too. You got to hand it to them. They're they're absolutely horrifying out there watching uh, the Sens trying to trying to penalty kill against them. Like that first goal. Uh, the Ehlers goal, just that set up by Morrissey, was just ridiculous. And I remember Morrissey destroying us on the power play in the last game, too. I think he had like a, a wicked slap pass, I think it was, in that previous game. Yes, that was just yes, I know Sanzio. exactly what you're talking about. Yes. 
that was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. No, jo- Josh is leaps and bounds better on the power play than he has been for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that was just kind of, I, I feel like that ended up being a bit of the, the story tonight was that the power play for the jets, like it, it ended up being two for eight, which doesn't look that good on paper, but it was like, I feel like, Hmm. So I'm surprised it was eight power plays in the end because it was three in the first period. Maybe maybe I'm forgetting just how many. Maybe it was just kind of all like blending together in my brain in the last two periods where it was just like the, the Jets carrying play. But yeah, right right near the end of the game there, I think there was two or three penalties in the last uh, five, six minutes there. Uh, no, nothing, nothing too wild. Uh, just I don't know. I feel I felt like they were pretty whistle happy tonight. I, I yeah. there was a no nobody could really grab consistent like play or like cycling in the zone because of everybody who was on the power play the whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, it was a little bit of a slower game, uh, admittedly, even though it was a five one win. But uh yeah, I don't know, just one of those weird games where there seemed to be a penalty every few minutes. And uh I think that kind of hurt the senators a little bit. Um with discipline issues and i'm not sure sorry i just with this i'm not sure if josh norris got benched for taking the penalties yeah or if he was hurt it was a little bit unclear like uh on the broadcast they kept saying like they were speculating like oh he must have re-entered the shoulder and they're just like keeping him out precautionary reasons but like he stayed on the bench the whole time so i don't really know like if it was if it was that serious you'd think he would go to the locker room uh but yeah it could have been could have been something to do with the penalties but but yeah, I guess maybe we'll find out that maybe uh, DJ Smith will have some post game comments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm I'm big Josh Norris fan. I was happy to see him that he was back. I was kind of scared when he scored his second goal there of the season, first since injury, and I thought, oh man, well, okay, he's gonna he's gonna explode tonight. But uh, thankfully, that didn't happen for me anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been pretty happy with uh, with Norris's play so far in the return from injury, like after missing so much time like you, you have to cut him a bit of slack in those first two games not picking up any points but he, he was still getting shots and scoring chances and I did mention like the Sens five on five play uh I thought that Norris coming back in on that second line in those games against uh the Penguins really improved just uh in terms of creating scoring chances uh at five on five so super ha- happy to see him back but yeah that 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 goal tonight the pretty much the only thing that I have to cheer about which is a uh, pretty rough from this game. Uh, yeah, and then uh, another question I wanted to ask you, like kind of relating to the the forward still and kind of the five on five scoring thing again, is another hot topic in Ottawa about their roster is that the bottom six never scores. They're like totally incapable of scoring. And then when I look at the Jets roster, it is better for depth scoring. Like you do have Adam Lowry with uh, a pretty decent point total, but I feel like. In terms of the roster construction, I feel like it's pretty similar for the Jets. Where am I right that the bottom six just doesn't score? You, you nailed it. Yeah, that's the biggest problem right now with Winnipeg is their is their bottom six it just lack of scoring. It it is very grindy. You might get the odd goal from them every once in a while, and uh, you know they might score the fourth goal in a four one win. Um, but it is it is pretty dry down there i i expect the jets to be looking at a top 6 forward to to add and then maybe have perfetti or wheeler go down there on the third kind of add a little bit there the jets have always been a team where adam lowry is their third line center no matter what mm-hmm. and uh so that usually means you have a checking line as your third line um i like lowry and baron together but i would love them way better on the fourth line <laughs> heading right. into the playoffs to make a legit run 
but yeah, no, uh, same with same thing with Ottawa. I think that should be a big focus. And I, I Matthew Joseph is on the third line, correct? Yeah, he just came back from injury last game. Right. Yeah. So uh, Matthew Joseph, I I love Matthew Joseph, and I think that he's a great player. And uh, hey, if the Sens are willing to give up a Matthew Joseph at the trade deadline, if the <laughs> Jets want to hop in there, I'd be totally down for that. But uh, yeah. I think that kind of player is what the Jets need. I think they need one of those and maybe a better middle six player to maybe push a guy like Perfetti or Wheeler down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like Matthew Joseph is a guy who's very well liked by the fan base so far. When he came to the Sens last year, he had a huge hot streak. It was uh, he was they put him with Norris and Kachuk on the first line right away last year, so he he uh, he endeared himself to the fan base pretty quickly, <laughs> being able to score in that role. And then yeah, like without him in the bottom six and then because of the Norris injury as well you had Pinto moving up for the last 35 games uh without those two guys in the bottom six it's just been like a total black hole in terms of offense like uh, I can't even who who the hell was even their their other winger today I can't even remember it it might have been like Dylan Gambrell or something like here's the thing when the sense Mm -hmm. when the sense fourth line is out there and kind of the third line too although we do like Pinto and Joseph, like, did, did you feel threatened at all from a Jets perspective tonight when, when the fourth lines were out there? Not really. I, I mean, I to be totally honest, I have no idea who your fourth line center is. He got in a fight with Adam Lowry at the, at yeah. the end of the game. Uh, I have no clue who that is. Um, Parker Kelly is always a guy that I see on the ice. And I, I wonder, I, I feel like I've heard his name somewhere, but I just don't really know who he is either he's, he's a Just guy not, that not a... you see out there on the ice all the time and then you don't really see him do anything but you, you do see him out there all the time that's for sure <laughs> yeah no like i i don't know i i and you know the jets had the senators and the jets parallels to where they like to where the jets were two years ago and where the sins are now it is so similar mm-hmm. it's kind of scary just with the loaded top six and then very scarce bottom six and we talked we touched on Morrissey and Shabbat and the parallels there and everything but um yeah no it it reminds me so much of the 2020 Jets or the 2019 Jets however you want to look at it there but uh just if if Ottawa is able to add just very aside from maybe a top four defenseman very minor pieces and just some character pieces almost in the offseason I think it's a team that could legitimately go and uh, make some noise in the playoffs a little bit yeah, I think so too. I, I agree with you that like we pretty much have all the core pieces set. It's just a matter of working out the uh the additional pieces, the supporting cast really, like those extra guys on defense to support Shabbat and uh and Sanderson and then adding to that bottom six for sure. Cause and and then I, I, I am feeling like coaching is a big issue at this point too. We we've been like up and down, back and forth on the topic of DJ Smith all season because we've had winning streaks and we've had bad losing streaks. So it's like certain points of the season where I come on here and I'm like, oh my God, I'm sick and tired of DJ Smith and he needs to go. And then we have some other stretches where we win five in a row and then suddenly I'm positive and I'm like, oh, maybe we can get back to the playoffs. But we're at the point now where we're halfway through the season and we're not even close. Like we're pretty much already screwed in terms of trying to get to the playoffs like there's no chance at this point <laughs> and I, I do have to admit that uh with Bruce Boudreaux being on the outs in Vancouver I'm I'm pretty tempted by that like I, I'm kind of hoping that we could pick him up the only thing is that um with the ownership situation changing for the Sens soon 
and that's uh, that's still going to take like a few more months to get settled. They might not really be looking to make any hockey ops changes right now, or they might not be allowed to. They might have to uh, wait, you know, until the new ownership comes in. So by that point, Boudreau might be snagged up by another team. Yeah, no, um, you know, in the off season, I was really hoping that Vancouver would let Bruce go because mm-hmm. uh, when the Jets, uh, you know, they wiped out their whole coaching staff and they were looking to, uh, obviously they ended up with Rick Bonus and I, I love it now, but in hindsight, I was I was really, really hoping that uh, Bruce would be free out there and uh, the Jets could pick him up. I've always been a big Bruce fan and just, um, you know, character-wise and how, how he coaches, I've always loved that. Um, hasn't worked out in Vancouver for him, unfortunately, but, uh, I think if, if, if he were to go to Ottawa, it, maybe not this season, you, you said earlier with the ownership, uh, changes and stuff like that right now might not be the best time to do it. Uh, but in the off season, if the senators do look for a new coach to, you know, start and push him for that playoff run, uh, I do think that Boutreau would be a pretty good option if he is available out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of like the jets, uh, coaching search last offseason I I totally forgot that it was all Barry Trotz rumors at the beginning eh? and then it ended up he he didn't want to coach and then uh you know bonus I, I feel like bonus wasn't really like one of the big candidates that was expected to like land a big coaching role like I feel like he his hiring kind of came out of nowhere like how did you feel at the time really uh at the time I was I was a little annoyed at the situation because True North Sports and Entertainment, they're, you know, they own the Jets and they're very, you know, family oriented or loyalty. Why mm-hmm. they're, they're very, that's, that's how they run their business. And it's, it's, it's frustrating sometimes when you, um, when, cause all, all off season, you know, it was Barry Trotz, Barry Trotz, Barry Trotz. And then it was taking a little bit longer for him to make a decision. It was kind of getting, oh, I don't know if this is going to happen, but it, it was always dangling there. Everyone was always talking about it. So you thought, okay, maybe maybe it's just you know a timing issue. But then they started saying, oh, Scott Arneal, former Winnipeg Jet, might be the head coach. And they start naming all these guys. And it was kind of getting annoying. And then it was mentioned that Rick Bonus might be an assistant coach. I was like, okay, I can deal with that. Sounds good. And then I remember I was... I was getting, going to my car and I looked at my phone and it said, uh, I just saw Rick hired by the Winnipeg Jets and I thought it was Rick Tockett. Oh, oh my and I God. I was like, oh, Rick Tockett. Okay, I'm cool with that, Rick Tockett. And then I drive for 10 minutes, I get back out and I have all these people texting me, Rick Bonus, Rick Bonus, Rick Bonus. And I was like, what? And then <laughs> it, it I, I was annoyed at the time because it's like, wow, okay, we just hired the, you know, Mark Chipman's friend. But uh, it ended up being, I guess, a little bit more strategic than that. And uh, according according to Shevel Dayoff, he was second on the pecking order uh, behind Barry Trotz. So whether that's true or not, I have no idea. But yeah, well, then considering that has turned out very well, uh, my final question for you would be: With the surprising success from the Justice season, are you hoping that they go all in at the trade deadline, or are you thinking more of like a cautious approach uh, to the success this season? You know, thinking more like long term. I I would this year is the year for the Jets if there ever was one to go all in, just mm-hmm. dump everything you have. Honestly, this is you're gonna have you got one year after this year of Hellebuck, Shifley, Demello. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, that's probably a situation that's mm. not going to end well in the offseason. That's off right, season. I forgot about that. 
Yep. And Nikolai Ehlers in two. There's so many core guys coming off the books. Blake Wheeler's another one uh, after next season. This would be the year to probably go all in. And if it means giving up, you know, your two first round picks or your, some of your better prospects, I think it's totally worth it. If they bring in a guy like maybe Timu Meyer, a couple depth mm-hmm. additions, I think it's, I think that's what they got to do if they want to be legitimate uh, cup contenders. Man, if, if you guys got Timo Meyer, that would just be horrifying for every other team in the league. Like that, that's, your, your top six is already so stacked. If you brought him in, that would be crazy. Like, hmm, if you went for a Timo Meyer trade, who who do you think the Jets would give up in that? Like, obviously some picks as well. But like, I, I feel like other than Perfetti, who's obviously on the team now, I feel like I don't know much about the Jets prospect pool. Yeah, the the Jets prospect pool going back to a couple of years ago was pretty like I don't know pretty nothing. Uh, to, I don't know that's the best way I can explain it. Really, they didn't really have much, but uh, they do have Chaz Lucius, Rucker McGrody, mm. Brad Lambert. Those are right. the three big ones I'd say. But they also do have Vili Hanula, who I've been a massive fan of for years now. I've always been vying for him to get his job, get his chance. And this year he's gotten his chances. He's looked great in some games and he's looked pretty whatever in some other ones, but he's still pretty liked around the league from what I can tell. It wouldn't shock me if they part ways with him just with how well that Dylan Sandberg's played. I really didn't expect him to take over a role like that. So I do think that Vili Hanula could be out uh, of there he might be the prospect thrown in a deal and uh the jets don't have either of their second round picks this year which uh or well sorry no just this uh second round pick this season but uh i think they'll have to get creative but um uh, i do think that Vili Hanela a pick and uh some other stuff might be going the other way in a bigger move for a forward I do know that our game over Winnipeg uh, hosts are big fans of Billy Hainala, so it would be a, it would be interesting to see uh, their reactions to that if he does end up getting moved. And yeah, Chaz Lucius and, and Rucker McGrody, I totally forgot about them, but I just wanted to say their names again because I feel like those are two of the better hockey names. Just just fun to say, uh, obscure names. Like I've n- I don't think I've ever met anyone named Chaz or Rucker. Those are just like nope. so unique. I love that. Yeah, no, they're they're interesting guys. Um, I I love Chaz Lucius, Rucker McGrady. I I I think he's going to be a real solid player too. But honestly, at this point, I just want the Jets to win, especially with how last year was. It would be pretty cool if the Jets went and uh, made a deep push. And uh, I think they should just go all in, buy, see what happens, and uh, just hope for the best. Yeah, honestly, I I totally agree with you from an outsider's perspective. That I would totally love to see. Uh... The Jets go for it this year, you know, with some uh, some other teams in the Central struggling. Like, I think everyone expected way more out of uh, St. Louis and potentially Nashville as well. And then you have Colorado, who's chilling in the wild card spot. Although, n- now that I think about that, could you imagine if uh, Colorado finishes in wild card and then the Jets got to play them first round? Oh my God. <laughs> no, I, I literally talked about this two days ago. I said, that is my worst fear right now. If the Jets win the central and maybe the abs limp to the eighth or the seventh spot in the wild card there and the Jets have to end up playing them. However, it shakes out. Mm-hmm. That would probably be the worst case scenario because I don't think the Jets are beating uh, the, the avalanche in the first round. Okay, got to let them, you know, get them through a little bit of some series first. And then maybe, maybe once they're a little tired, we can take them. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of after the Blackhawks won their first cup in 2010. I believe they finished eighth uh, the next year. And then you had Vancouver in the first seed. And that's yeah. that ended up being an iconic series where Vancouver did win, but they almost totally blew it 
uh, blowing the three nothing lead. So hopefully uh, the Jets <laughs> manage to avoid Colorado in the first round. And uh, yeah, I I wish the Jets uh, good luck for the rest of the season. I, I should I call them Canada's team for the playoffs this year? Because I think if you you should I think if you're not a Leafs fan, uh, I think you should side with the Jets. And you know the Oilers and Flames maybe they'll get in, but we don't really know at this point. It's entirely possible that it could just be the Jets as the lone Canadian team in the Western playoffs. So I think I'm going to be on the Jets bandwagon this year. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So that's where we'll leave it for tonight. Thank you so much for joining me, Jackson. Do you want to uh, to plug your, your social media and stuff? Uh, yeah, uh, I run Jets YouTube channel, just updates, fun stuff, game reactions, all sorts of stuff over there. Uh, Jets Hub, uh, Jets HUB on YouTube and Jets Hub YT on Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. Thank you so much again for joining me tonight. Uh, and thank you everyone for watching. Leave a like if you enjoyed. Subscribe to SDPN. Thanks for watching. Have a good night. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada Sportsbook.